Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. It's a commonly held myth that movies are all about impossibly glamorous, smart and heroic people. They're not. Well, they may be played by good-looking stars and take place in unbelievably attractive locations, but most movie stories are about us, or people we can relate to at any rate. And at the heart of most stories, whether it's Iron Man or Hamlet, Barbie or Oppenheimer, is that question best spelled out in the old Keanu Reeves thriller, Speed. Pop quiz, hotshot. There's a bomb on a bus. Once the bus goes 50 miles an hour, the bomb is armed. If it drops below 50, it blows up. What do you do? What do you do? What would you do? If an ordinary person was in this situation, what would they do? That's why we don't need our stars to be glamorous, smart or heroic. We want them to be relatable. Who cares what happens to a beautiful multi-millionaire? In fact, given the choice, we'd probably like to see them fail miserably for a change. They say the best weapon is one you never have to fire. I prefer the weapon you only need to fire once. That's how Dad did it. That's how America does it. And it's worked out pretty well so far. To peace. And if you want to know who ordinary punters might relate to, have a look at their favourite stars. Curiously, they're not particularly gorgeous or even graceful. In fact, some of our most popular performers are famously klutzy. Yes, Olivia Colman, I am looking at you. Oh, it's genuinely quite stressful. <laughs> it's, um, uh, <laughs> this is hilarious. Go on, Oscar. But Olivia's not alone. The diffident Bill Nye leaps to mind. The adorably clumsy Jennifer Lawrence. Perennial miscongeniality Sandra Bullock. The can't-believe-his-luck Chris Pratt. We like them because we can identify with them. Far more than exotic movie stars like Brad Pitt, Charlize Theron, Ryan Gosling and the rest. Though we do make exceptions for the impossibly good-looking if they're also likeable doofuses. What do I have to do? You have to go to the real world. You can go back to your regular life, or you can know the truth about the universe. The choice is now yours. The first one, the high heel. Margot Robbie follows in the footsteps of the movie star who defined the impossible dream. Staggeringly beautiful, but also one of us. It's a hard trick to pull off, and Marilyn Monroe only managed it for a few short years before reality destroyed her. All the girls drink, it's just that I'm the one that gets caught. Story of my life, I always get the fuzzy end of the lollipop. My thing's straight. I'll say. <laughs> The latest example of the all-conquering woman next door is French superstar Laura Calamy. 
Laura usually plays slightly dim optimists in TV shows like Call My Agent and films like My Donkey, My Lover and I. In the last French film festival alone, Laura Calamy starred in three of them, including this week's The Origin of Evil, a decided change of pace for her. Will audiences reject her as a psychotic femme fatale, or will they love her for giving it a go? <laughs> Relatability has many faces, of course. There's another thriller, this time on Netflix, that puts a feminist twist to a previously men-dominated genre. High finance films like Wall Street, The Wolf of Wall Street and American Psycho. We accept their peccadilloes, claim the creators of Fair Play, so why not those of an equally capable, ruthless woman? Say, Emily, I'm sorry. Emily, I'm sorry. No, cry. What? Cry. Because if I can't make you cry, I'm going to make you bleed. Well, I'm not convinced we do identify with ratbags like Gordon Gecko and Jordan Belfort. And even in the noirest of film noirs, we do like to see someone in there we can like, even if they don't come out on top. Still, maybe relatability might depend on who's doing the relating. This week, Spanish movie maestro Pedro Almodovar weighs in with his first Western. It's called Strange Way of Life. She was a whore, Father. We're about to see contrasting westerns from two very unlikely directors. The main difference is that Martin Scorsese's epic Killers of the Flower Moon weighs in at a seat-numbing three and a half hours, while Pedro Almodovar's Strange Way of Life barely reaches 30 minutes. It opens on Pedro Pascal riding into town, wearing the brightest green jacket in the West. Mr Silver in person. How are you, Jake? I'm good. What brings you to town? Oh, my back is killing me, and I hear you have a good doctor in town. Silva is clearly an old friend of Jake, Ethan Hawke wearing mostly blue. Jake's outfits are only muted in contrast with Silva's wardrobe, which also includes bright red and yellow checkered shirts. The film was actually produced by the Yves Saint Laurent fashion house. Well, you look well. No, it's you. Who look impressive, dressed as a sheriff. I'm not just dressed as one. I am one. Well, it suits you. Now, I'm not sure what your idea of a Western is, but it's possibly not the same as Pedro Almodovar. Silva's barely hung up his green jacket before he and Jake are in bed reliving old times. Not so much Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid as Brokeback Mountain and the Power of the Dog. was found killed in town. But Silver has more on his mind than relighting an old flame. He knows Sheriff Jake is on the hunt for a killer, and that killer is Silver's son, Joe. Can Silver appeal to Jake's better nature and get Joe off? 
Maybe Jake can quit the job and the pair can set up a ranch together. Is there a chance Silver can get in another change of shirt before the end of a very short film? It's not your standard Western, in other words, but if it were, would we be disappointed? Almodovar's films are nothing if not individual, with colourful, groundbreaking classics vying with mad lapses of taste. Don't look at me like that. How do you want me to look at you? Strange Way of Life is as peculiar as its running time. In the cinema, the 30-minute feature is padded out by a 30-minute monologue from the writer, director, producer, explaining his aims for the film. Whatever its length, it couldn't be further from the square-jawed tradition of a man's got to do what a man's got to do. Get up, Joe! What are you doing? You never loved me. You never loved anyone in your life. Sailor. Much of Strange Way of Life is spent watching Pedro Pascal and Ethan Hawke smouldering at each other over glasses of red wine rather than the traditional bottles of whiskey. One for diehard fans of Almodovar, I think, rather than people nostalgic for the westerns of their youth. And I suppose fans of Yves Saint Laurent. I was certainly drawn to those primary coloured shirts rather more than to the equally garish movie. Years ago you asked me what two men could do living together on a ranch? I'll answer you now. The Origin of Evil is another from the recent French film festival, but unlike many of them, it's not a lovable romantic comedy. It's a twisty-turny thriller with nods to everything from Hitchcock and Agatha Christie to TV dramas like Succession. It's certainly a departure for lovable romantic comedy staple Laura Callamy. Here she plays Stefan, a woman in search of her family. Hello. De la part de Stéphane, j'aurais voulu parler à Serge. Serge, je pense que c'est ta fille. Stéphane has recently discovered the identity of her father, multimillionaire Serge. But her hopes for a touching reunion are obviously over-optimistic. Serge is lukewarm with her, though. He lets her stay over. And his wife Louise and her daughter George are even less welcoming. Lui ressemblait pas beaucoup. Serge a toujours eu beaucoup de succès auprès des femmes. Il y en avait forcément de moins jolies que d'autres. There's a battle going on between the aging Serge and his family over control of his chain of restaurants. Daughter George claims she's managing the business, but Serge is scornful. He claims she and her mother are only interested in spending his money as fast as they can. Moi, je gère les entreprises de mon père. Et toi, tu la laisses faire. <laughs> Mon accident, c'est devenu compliqué ici. N'en faites pas trop. Je vais pas me faire piquer tout mon fric par ces deux salopes. The visiting Stéphane insists she's not interested in the money. She just wants to meet her new family. 
Now, I should tell you that this is just the first ten minutes of the film. Already it's clear that Serge has ulterior motives for inviting Stefan to stay, possibly as a weapon against the family. Si on veut que tout se passe bien, il faut se dire les choses. Stéphane, vous n'êtes pas d'accord avec moi. The Origin of Evil is a film that believes there's no such thing as too many twists and turns in a suspense thriller. At dinner, the family eyes each other shiftily. Even the housekeeper is taking sides. Everyone has shady secrets and undisclosed strategies. Serge, his spendthrift wife, their ruthless daughter George, and a millennial granddaughter who can't wait to get away. For me, the family is what's the best in the C'est comme un poison qu'on a dans le sang. Ça contamine. Ça rend malade. But perhaps we've been looking at the wrong side of the table. Stéphane is not necessarily the innocent thrown among the lions that she first appears. In fact, she may be the biggest liar of them all. What's her game? Écoute, si on veut que tout se passe bien, il faut se dire les choses. Ah, les salopes. And what's behind her regular visits to the local prison? Simple acts of charity or something more sinister? Even before they know all this, the family have reason to doubt Stéphane's credentials. What proof has she provided that she's even related to Serge? Stéphane, are you sure that it's Stéphane will be here Now, films entirely made up of relentlessly unreliable characters are certainly intriguing to start with, but after a few too many revelations and reversals, they do start to wear out their welcome. Even Hitchcock was careful to play the but-wait card only when he needed to. The surprise twist genre is a lot easier to start than it is to satisfactorily pay off. And as the masks start coming off, it's safe to say that nobody is revealed to be better than you first thought. So if they're all crooks and mostly unlikable at that, should I care who, if anyone, ends up the winner at the end? J'imagine que pour vous, la situation n'a pas dû être facile tous les jours. Mais s'il vous plaît, je vous demande de pas revenir. Depuis mon accident, c'est devenu compliqué ici. Still, the phenomenal success of the equally amoral TV series Succession proves I've hardly got my finger on the pulse of public taste in this matter. But Succession is an exception to the usual rules against no one to root for because of some brilliant writing and acting. Je vais avoir besoin de toi. Pour faire quoi? Je veux que tu témoignes en ma faveur. And while the origin of evil can't aspire to those heights, it certainly keeps your interest up. And the best thing in it, surprisingly, is Laura Callamy as the cuckoo in the nest. Displaying unexpected versatility, she manages to keep us guessing, victim, innocent bystander, femme fatale, right to the end. Her klutzy charm may seem odd casting here, but it's one thing in the film that works rather well. Si c'est chez moi! Espèce de vieux mâche! 
Il n'y a qu'une vérité. Laquelle There are some jobs that are endlessly fascinating for audiences. Doctors, say, or crusading lawyers, journalists, scientists. People who can be seen as doing something useful, even noble. Well, that's not the case in the world of finance. Crooks and con men is the knee-jerk reaction among many audiences. Even people who are good at their job. Especially people good at their job. Welcome to the world of fair play. How did I get so lucky? Are you talking about me or your job? Okay, sorry. We're getting married. We're getting married. Now, I should say that this position is not shared by Chloe Demond, who's the writer and director of Fair Play, recently nominated for a gong at the Sundance Festival and now showing on Netflix. Chloe seems to be favourably disposed towards young lovers Emily and Luke, both up-and-comers at a top financial firm. I wish we could tell the whole world. We're going to have to tell them sooner than later. Morning. Morning. I think it's the right time to admit we're breaking policy. But the firm has strong views about workplace romance, which later proved to be well-founded, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Feelings often run high at work, where the stress of making and losing millions can lead to chaotic behaviour. Quinn, one of the top executives, loses the plot very publicly. Taking over for Quinn. What? I overheard it on a call. And the rumours are rife that his replacement is going to be hotshot Luke. He's delighted, and Emily is delighted for him, even if she thinks she's been kept out of contention by good old big business sexism. But then CEO Campbell invites her out for drinks. We're gonna go grab a drink. Do you want a drink? You made half the big calls last quarter long. And suddenly all bets are off. Turns out it's not Luke up for promotion, it's Emily. So does this mean that the Wall Street glass ceiling has been well and truly shattered and the very able Emily has made it on her own merits? Or were favours exchanged? Luke can't help wondering. So, what do you want? He's promoting me. Congratulations. I'm sorry. Why? I'm so happy for you. Okay. Wonder how she got the fast pass. Reporting to her. Jesus, man. Now, it might have been a better, or at least a less predictable movie if they'd gone a bit further in that direction. If winning is everything on Wall Street, how far would you go? But that's not where Fair Play is heading. What's happened is the power dynamic between Emily and Luke has now changed. Look into this, let me know what you think. I'm still working on the three from before. Okay, I'll make this one the priority. Can Luke handle the fact that not only does he earn less than Emily, but he's actually working for her now? And it's soon clear that he's not as good at his job as she is, and if he's not careful, the bosses will edge him out of the company. Can I buy another? Now that you're making more money than me? (laughs) What are you doing? You know it's just a game. You play it very well. So now Luke feels emasculated, but Emily's under pressure too to act just as blokey as the other executives. 
This means, predictably, regular late nights at the local strip club. As you know, it's mandatory in Wall Street movies, like mafia movies, to have a few scenes in a seedy strip club. How do you expect people to take you seriously when you dress like a cupcake? Excuse me? 25 million? What happened? You're pathetic. What'd you say to me? So Emily's career goes up, manifested by her coming home drunk after nights out with the boys, and Luke's career goes down, manifested by him staying home and getting drunk on his own. What could possibly go wrong? Or more wrong, maybe? You're letting him walk all over you. You want me to say it again? The only man I let walk all over me is you. Once again, showing an inability to read the room, Luke suggests Emily put pressure on the boss to give him a promotion. As you can imagine, that's not likely to end well. Are you going to pitch me to Campbell? I don't think it's a good idea. We both can't keep working here. I'm not quitting. This firm has become my religion. You have become my god. You give me this opportunity, I will give you everything I got. The casting of Fair Play is serviceable, if a bit soapy. Phoebe Dynavor made her name in TV series Bridgerton and the Brit version of Call My Agent, 10%. Alden Ehrenreich was good playing the young Han Solo a few years back, but the fact that most people can't pronounce his name is an indication he's not there yet. Are you out of your mind? You're going to end our relationship by setting off a bomb. <laughs> We all do filthy things, but we don't trick it back into the office. Best thing in the film, as he usually is, is the versatile Eddie Marson as the poisonous Campbell. But the worst thing in it is an ending that's as brutal as it is excessive. I wish I could say it was making a point about gender imbalance and double standards, but it just came across as bullying to me. to accept that I deserve that job. I never got the shot. This job, it's killing us. And as I said at the start, the moral seems to support the firm's rule. Couples don't work together, it'll end badly, as does fair play. Still, maybe a couple of increasingly unsympathetic Wall Street yuppies deserve all they get. And on the message that greed isn't always good, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.